the Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. I've got a question. Have you ever played Simon Says? No? Okay. Some yes, some no, so here's what I'm going to say. Here's the rules. Whenever I start a sentence with Simon Says, then you have to do whatever Simon Says to do. Yeah. So if I say Simon Says, touch your nose, you touch your nose. If I say Simon Says, touch your ear, you touch your ear. I says, Simon says, touch your chin, touch your chin. Yep. Now, there's also a trick to this game where if I don't say Simon says, don't do it. Okay? So if I'm saying Simon says, touch your chin, Simon says, touch your nose, but then I don't say Simon says, I just say, touch your ear, don't touch your ear, don't touch your ear. Okay? Now it's kind of a silly game, but I want to I play for a little bit, okay? All right, let's play. Simon says, touch your elbow. Simon says, look in the air. Simon says, look to your left. Look to your right. No, 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 no. Simon says, look to your right. Simon says, stop touching your elbow. Simon says, touch your toe or your shoe. Simon says, wiggle your toe. Stop wiggling your toe. Ah, oh, Simon didn't say. This is kind of tricky, isn't it? It's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. I think that playing Simon Says is a lot like listening to God. It's a little tricky, isn't it? Because a lot of times we think that we understand what we should be doing, right? God wants us to love one another. God wants us to care for one another. God wants us to be nice to one another, right? Yeah. But as we're young and as we're old and everything in between, sometimes it gets tricky. Because like, how do I know if I'm loving someone else? 
How do I know if I'm doing a good job at that? What if God wants me to do something different than what I'm doing now? How do I know what to listen to? How do I don't know what to think, what to, what to do. It's a little tricky, isn't it? But there's three main things that I think can help us. And we kind of do them all already. The first one is, as much as you can, listen to your parents. Yeah? Listen to the ones that love you. <laughs> these are parents. These are teachers. These are pastors. These are people in the congregation. These are friends. Listen to those people. Start with your parents. But listen to those people. And who? And polices. That's right. Listen to those too. Start with your parents. So start with the people that love you. Follow that up with pray a little bit. That's how we talk with God. I bet you pray at meal times or at bedtimes or some other times. And the third one, and this is an important one, pay attention to what's happening in your life. So, if you're going around and you see people getting along with one another, that's a, that's a good sign that something good is there. If you go around and you see people struggling with one another, fighting with one another, that's a good sign <laughs> that something might be out of place. So look, pay attention to what's going on around you. So we have, listen to the people that, you love, that love you, pray, and pay attention. That's actually the three steps that Peter took in the text today. That's the three steps that I take still today in order to figure out what God wants me to do. If you're little, if you're big and everything else, listen to the people that love you, pray, and pay attention. And if you're a giant. And if you're a giant, yeah, even if you're a giant, those three things, they work. Does that make sense? Good. Should we say a prayer? Let's say a prayer. God, we're thankful. We're thankful today that you help us figure out what we should be doing in this life. Help us to be loving. Help us to be kind. Help us to be nice to one another. And if we ever have a hard time figuring this out, help us to remember to listen to the ones that love us, to pray, and to pay attention to what's happening in life. Be with us now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. And we got a snack. They're all the same today. There you go. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think this first reading, this text, can be both very, very life-giving and useful, but can also be very, very tricky. Very, very tricky. But, I think we start with the text, don't we? The whole thing of Acts 11 is Peter recalling the things that happened in 
chapter 10. So if you want to read them both, go ahead. Uh, get out your Bibles later on in the day and read them both together. But Acts 11 just kind of summarizes these things that happened before. And so Peter is recalling to the church in Jerusalem, the church that he usually worships with, the things that he's experienced, the new things that he's come to understand of what God's doing. He's talking with the people that love him. So, Peter starts recalling this three-time vision. So he had this vision three times. And the vision kind of goes like this. There's a large sheet. It comes down. On it is unclean animals. And a voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds with, certainly not, for nothing profane has ever touched my lips. Now, what this means is, is that Peter, his whole life, had followed the law that was in Scripture. He'd followed the Word of God. He'd followed what a good Israelite, and later on what a good Jew, was supposed to do to live a holy life. And so up to this point, Peter is doing the exact right thing. Right? Because the law is pretty simple. Here's a list of the unclean animals. Don't eat them. Thus saith the Lord. So Peter hasn't done this. He has followed the law. He has done the right thing. A voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He says, no, certainly not. Nothing profane has ever touched my lips. But then the voice responds. What I have called clean, or what God has called clean, who are you to call unclean? Oh, that's interesting. It's a theological assertion, isn't it? Holiness and the category of holiness and the mark of holiness, that comes from God, is this assertion. And so if God says something is holy, then it's holy. And if God says something is not holy, then it's not holy. And if God wants to change what was once holy is now not holy, or what is not holy is now holy, God's allowed to do all of that. Hmm. Three times Peter has this vision. Three times it's the same thing. And after these three times, he still doesn't understand what's going on. But here come three men from Caesarea. And these three men from Caesarea had also been having visions, and their vision said, go get Peter, bring him back. So they go get Peter, they bring him back. And as Peter goes with them to Caesarea, he meets the Gentiles that were there. Now, the Gentiles are not Jewish people. That's actually how they're categorized. They're just not Jewish. And so, the Gentiles would not have cared about or followed any of the clean or unclean things. They also wouldn't have had the ceremonial rituals that marked them as a member of the Jewish community. Specifically, they would not have been circumcised. They're not a part of the community in any way. And so Peter goes with them to this community that's not Jewish, that's not a part of this faith, and when he gets there, he sees the Holy Spirit on them. Hmm. And then Peter recalls to the church in Jerusalem, I realized 
that if the Holy Spirit, this gift of God, was poured out on them, who am I to stand in the way? If the Holy Spirit is there with God's people, if they're, regardless of if there are Jewish people or if there are non-Jewish people, if the Holy Spirit's there, then God has called this people holy. God has called this people good. And who am I to stand in the way? Now, after Peter recounts all of this really kind of powerful and moving thing, uh, things to the church in Jerusalem, he's met with silence. And I don't know about you, but if I'm giving a heartfelt testimony and then the room just greets me with silence, I'm a little unnerved. But eventually, following that silence, the church, at least here, accepts that what Peter has seen, specifically that the Gentiles too, the non-Jewish people too, have been given the gift of God and the Holy Spirit. They accept it. They say, look, God has poured out on this people the path of life through repentance. Now, all this is good, but it probably serves us to say that the rest of the book of Acts which is much longer than 11 chapters, and just about everything else in the New Testament, with the exception of probably Revelation, and I'm not sure Titus touches on it, but just about everything else in the New Testament, short of those two and the Gospels, most of the New Testament, in other words, deals with the issue of Jew and Gentile. They still struggle with this very thing, which is who is God saying is good and who is God saying is not living a good life? They struggled for a long time. Now, how many of you, just kind of tell me with your eyes if you don't want to raise your hand, but how many of you are worried about being a Gentile? Yeah, I'm not either. That's because as decades and centuries passed, we come to understand the discernment of the church, that thing that first began with this text today with Peter talking with the Jerusalem church saying, I have seen the Holy Spirit on people who are not Jewish. We've come to understand that as good and right and true. That the Holy Spirit indeed exists among us, the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit indeed exists among us, the ones who are not following this law. The Holy Spirit is here. Now, you probably never saw yourself as the outsiders, at least not in the Christian scriptures. But this, my friends, is how you came to be a part of God's family. This is how you came to be a part of the ones who were called holy. For there was a time when you and I would not have been considered in good standing with God, at least by other people. But because Christ died and rose again, and because God in Christ did a new thing, the ones who are not Jewish are seen as good. This text, this text has been used many times 
Because while it can be greatly enlivening to imagine that God continues to do new things over and over again, this text sets what we like to call a precedent. It's also tricky to understand when these new things are happening. So let me point out a few times that I have seen in my research this text being used. In today's church, women are often ordained and welcomed into ordination. I think that's good, and I think that's right, because I tell you what, I've seen the Holy Spirit poured out in my life by so many different women in leadership. But there was a point in time, and I think most of you can probably remember a point in time where this was debated, where this was seen as terrible to ask for a woman to be in a place of leadership in a congregation. But just like Peter, folks saw the Holy Spirit moving, folks talked with the church that was around them, and eventually we saw that God had done something new. There are points in Scripture where you can point to and say, well, men are supposed to be in leadership and women not so much, just like there are clean animals and unclean animals, or there's Jews and Gentiles. However, just like here in Scripture, God does a new thing. And so now we have the fruit of women in leadership throughout our church. tricky part of this is it leaves us with responsibility. Because it's no longer acceptable to simply memorize your way through scripture and say God will never do anything different. Because Acts 11 tells us that God does something different. That's the whole point of the story. So we're on the hook, aren't we? We have to pay attention to what's happening. We have to pay attention to what's God doing. We have to pay attention to the way that we see the Holy Spirit in the world. And we have to pay attention to what's going on because God is liable and God will continue to do new things. Which leads me back to that point in Scripture where it just simply says, Peter saw the Holy Spirit poured out on them. But there's no descriptions. It's not like their hair was on fire and there's a flashing Holy Spirit is here sign, you know? Like, Peter was paying attention to something that was there. I don't know about you, but if I'm given the weight and responsibility of understanding what God's doing in the world, I'd like some kind of confirmation that I'm hearing it right, that I'm seeing it right, that I'm doing it right. We really just have those three things that Peter did. Because Peter didn't understand at the beginning either, but Peter spoke with the ones that loved him. And Peter prayed. And Peter took time to pay attention to what was going on. And in those motions eventually they came to figure out what God was doing. It wasn't easy and it wasn't quick 
And by no means did it come even in one lifetime. But this slow process led us to the understanding of what God was doing and does continue today. So I guess this week I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to what's happening in the world. I want you to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing. I want you to know that the weight of who we are as a church and the weight of following God rests on this. Pay attention. If you see the Holy Spirit, if you see the marks or the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you don't have them memorized, you can Google them. If you see the fruit of the Spirit out there, pay attention. Dig into it a little bit. Ask yourself and ask the ones that are around you, the fruit is here. The Spirit seems to be here. What does this mean? As you're doing that, talk. Share with other people the things that you're seeing, the things that you're witnessing, the things that are going on. Pray a little bit about this. At the end of it all, look for God's action. Look for God's calling. God doesn't keep doing the same thing. God is consistent, but God makes things new, both at the same time. God be with you in your discernment. God be with you in listening. Amen.